the Koi Gig part. Well, I'm smiling from a Manchester United viewpoint. Champions League nearly in the bag. But Man City will be really disappointed. They didn't look like the team that had won 14 on the trot. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Welcome along. So the football is continuing. 47 minutes on the clock. They are underway. Second half at the San Siro. It remains nil all on the night. And so Inter are 2-0 to the good against AC Milan. Meanwhile, Championship playoff. Sunderland went in against Luton Town 2-1 up. However, Luton are 2-0 up on the night. 3-2 up on aggregate against Sunderland. Gavin Cooney, the 42, is with us. Hello. How are you, Joe? You alright? They won't like that up around Sunderland way. No, absolutely. We're getting closer now to the prospect of isn't it Kenilworth Road? Isn't that Luton's home ground? Uh, that being a Premier League venue next year, which is delight delightfully ramshackle. Surprised you're here, uh, Gav. I thought you might be over in Rochester, New York for the second golfing major of the year. <laughs> I think the budget went on the Masters this year, I have to say. Um, yeah, we could just fill this football area with golf talk, but we'd be- I suppose we'd better not, given what's on the what's over the door, etc. Um, no, not not there. Following on TV like the rest of you schmucks. Yeah. This being the week, of course, where Arsenal's title challenge formally ended. To quote Martin Odegaard, it feels like there is no hope. Yeah, and I don't know if is that in relation just to this weekend or a whole general feeling of despair. No, I'm, I'm, I'm misrepresenting Martin. He was just talking about their title challenge, but uh, it's such a great headline. I decided to misrepresent him all it's, the same. It's a great line because it sums up the kind of despair uh, that is uh, involved in chasing down this Man City team. I even feel like this, like this Milan derby is hectic and it's frantic. But there is a certain uh, futility around it all, just knowing that the winner of the second semi-final, which is likely to be Manchester City, just so much better than either of these sides, um, and they'll probably get pumped in the final. Well, I, I do think now City might want to sit down and strategise about how they handle the next few weeks. So all yeah, things being is, equal... This is dangerous stuff now for, <laughs> for let loose Pep's brain across uh, unfamiliar terrain. If they want... And let's assume they do the business tomorrow for a second. They may need to think about like pulling up the handbrake touch. So like, don't beat Inter by five. Beat them by two. Don't win the league by ten if Arsenal implode here. Just win it by three. And let's not stuff United four nil. Let's just win one nil and play keep ball. If we pummel Milan and United and just win the league at a canter, then I mean all that like pesky journalists like you will be talking about are the 115 charges yeah. and this era of dominance like there's a degree of let's break a sweat here as we win this treble towards the end yeah uh, restore some dignity into the victory by making it narrow and a close foot thing um, yeah it's an interesting take I am <laughs> that's generous but go on I am amazed by the amnesia around it all I, I, there's no point talking about this for too long because I know people don't really want to hear about the but sorry that is the reason for the amnesia is that there is a presumed boredom on the part of the audience on your part but like you can't yeah I know I just said it but you can't it's just like I feel it should have been mentioned at some point over the last couple of days given that City have now effectively won the league like Monday Night Football the best football show you're talking about the charges we should say yeah about the, the 115 charges look I mean they're they're contesting their innocence as they have every right to do and you know when it, whenever the process goes through they may well be cleared but at the moment there is an asterisk 
beside all of this. Surely. There is uncertainty yeah. around it. And the fact that it hasn't been referred to at all since, you know, Martin Tyler talking about the depth of the Premier League, that it's not a one-team league. City are about to win their fifth title in six years. And, you know, Monday Night Football, the best football show that I think maybe has ever been put on television, talking yet last night about how City are a special team. And of course they are. They're incredible. But this, this is relevant to the whole conversation. And it's it seems to be a specific football thing or Premier League thing like if someone won a a string of Tour de France uh, victories and was then accused by the Tour de France of having lied uh, and uh, lied and potentially breaking the rules imagine that scenario and if that cyclist then went on to win the next Tour de France (laughs) I think people wouldn't exactly be hailing hailing that victory in a complete without any caveats yes. or in a totally uncomplicated way so I'm amazed yeah no you're right you're right you're you're totally right do you want to lay off Martin Tyler like Oh cool. Yeah, sorry, Martin oh, Tyler's been getting getting it from I thought that was Keown. I have to say, I thought it was very unfair for Martin Keown to accuse Tyler of bias against Arsenal. I think Tyler is is not he's had an incredibly long career. He's also the hardest working man in show business. Yeah. I mean He's a bit you, keen. <laughs> I mean he's the voice of football and Sky Sports. So he is he is the voice of the, of the Premier League. I think he probably yeah. will always have that title. But he's he, you know, he'll pop up everywhere. You know, obviously they don't have the rights to the Champions League. Apparently I've spoken to, to Will outside, like if you want you can watch the Champions League on live score. Yeah. And Tyler's the commentator. No. <laughs> it's just <laughs> incredible. Uh, but I thought that was very unfair. I think Tyler is in a he doesn't get as excited as he used to. I like that about him. Um, yeah. I think I tend to be more in a minority on that front, as your uh, guttural sound indicated there. But uh, I do like that he doesn't react as if he's, you know, seen a goal for the first time in his life at every turn. Yeah, but he does seem like there are now goals going in where he, it sounds like he's just stifling a yawn as he's as he's describing them. Look, he has been. He lets the pictures do the work. He ha- Yeah, I suppose uh, he has been the best commentator no the best commentator well this is all personal view best commentator I've ever heard is George Hamilton I think that will always be we were blessed weren't we just how good he was is is. yeah Yeah. it's just like incredible ability to find the right words for the right right moment I'm obviously incredibly jealous of that he's still not on my television enough these days no not at all uh, I don't, don't really know what's happening there no. um, like I don't think he did the World Cup final either like. well, he's on GA Go <laughs> another conversation imagine uh, he's just always found the right words for the for the right moment and uh, imagine the pressure scripted. like on a younger man as Dave O'Leary's taking the penalty to you better nail this yeah and like I don't think anyone has ever if you're looking at television viewing audience as a percentage of I don't think anyone has ever broadcasted that percentage of a country's population of the penalty shootout in Italia 90 because yeah. it was on RT2 the news was on RT1 and it cut live to uh, the penalty shootout in Italy and I don't think there were any other channels at the time <laughs> so literally 100% of the people watching television in Ireland that day which was most of the people in the country mm. were listening to Hamilton but uh, you know he he is uh, I think he's the best I've ever heard uh, but I, I do I've always liked Tyler a lot Um just I feel like I, I think you know then when his voice and the cadence of his voice would rise to meet the moment it would be all the more effective for that um, because he keeps it relatively lower key and lower tone yeah, leaves himself um, somewhere to go prior to that um, and now he sounded croaky I have to say uh, at the weekend so I don't, maybe he's not he wasn't 100% fit as it were listen to his podcast with Gary Neville afterwards and his voice sounded gone yeah 
And it wasn't from overly exerting his vocal cords Indeed. during Arsenal Brighton. No. Maybe um, stop, you know, taking League Two matches on a Tuesday, Martin. It's incredible. Like the hardest working man. He's also a coach. He's, uh, I think he's like got badges. Um, he's okay. coached at, is it Kingstonians at non-league level or something like that? Yeah. Like he's been an assistant manager there or something. Back to your original point. Sorry, that was a bit of a diversion. Mm. I agree with you on the 115 charges and actually I've listened to quite a few different podcasts certainly The Guardian mentioned it and I think The Athletic one or two others somebody made the point shouldn't we be mentioning the unprecedented charges a bit more about City so I think that is it's in the ether but I think the reason it's not coming up is it it, it doesn't lead to a great conversation you see it's not definitive you see Football, so this thing of like, oh, sport is a metaphor for life. And it's not really, it's kind of a theatre or a version of life, but there's a resolution at the end. Like there's always the result. And then over a longer period of time, there's the season, the 38 games, and then luck will even itself out over a season and ultimately the best team will be crowned. But there's not that definitive. If you're going to, you know, talk about the charges and everything, there's actually not a definitiveness about this title triumph now for City. Because you wonder, well, what if that case goes against them down the line? And look, it may not. They maintain their innocence as they have every, every right to do and every right to fight their case. But there's just that lack of definition and decisiveness around it makes it really hard. Because, you, you you know, that's the, you know, these are, when City win the league, that's, you know, that's when the media kicks into gear and talks about how brilliant they are and what they've done well mm. and hail the obvious geniuses from the coach to the striker to everyone in between um, but it's too hard to do it's easier just to say well Arsenal bottled it mm. that's that's at, at least that's a kind of a definitive conversation yeah um, which they didn't but. well it, it is tricky the City thing because I suspect most people have a sense of how they feel about the 115 charges completely unprecedented and the validity of them City will defend themselves but I think people look on and say well Something about this feels a bit obvious as well. Like they've just spent a lot of money, and mm. uh, maybe they're better at uh, financial manoeuvring than others. But um, and the, like it is an asterisk to make and an no like, doubt. the money has obviously made a difference. Like you get in these. Maybe I'm t- paying too much attention to my Twitter mentions after talking about this at the weekend. Be people talking about like Pep makes a difference. Well, of course he does, but he's not working for free. And then like squad depth is what makes a difference over a league season like Arsenal lost Saliba and couldn't deal with it yeah. City can rest De Bruyne and Grealish for a weekend game against Everton in the running you know like that's what makes the difference and, and it was quite something to see plucky old Mares and Foden thrown in these guys like they're incredible <laughs> no. players like yeah. Gundogan Gundogan uh, if he does leave on a free transfer at the end of the year will be a linchpin of whatever team he walks into yeah, it's phenomenal. and he only really seems to be wheeled out for Man City in April when they need to win the league yeah. and he's an incredible player and always delivers for them so. and like the, the main charge against Arsenal is squad depth you know so it's absolutely looming large in my thinking and now I, I have to say I, I love watching the City team more than I've watched uh, mm. City teams of recent years but uh, I, I agree with you it is it is like it's not being talked about enough, but then, I don't know, akin to issues you may have with Newcastle ownership, do you just have a ticker tape going along at all I know, times? I know the there's fatigue around it. I, I do. I respect that view. And you don't have to, every time you talk about Man City, you yeah. don't have to bring them up. I don't think that's a credible way of going around it. But when they win the thing, and when you're talking about how brilliant they are in the context of the full season, yeah. 
these charges were brought up during the season, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, I feel like that's an important piece of context that's missing. And I, But there's just something very unsatisfying that we've sat down for a year. It's basically watched, that's a long old box set that we've watched mm. of this year's Premier League season. And what are we going to do? Cut to black? Like we need some kind of finale and definitive end to it. But in real life, like we're not, we don't have one yet. I do think that when they win the league at a counter and potentially win a Champions League final and an FA Cup final convincingly yeah. there will be an explosion again of hang on yeah no I think there will be the, the logical question would be well how have they just won a treble so brilliantly and with such domination oh hang on mm. there are 115 charges against them uh, not brought for the crack either mm. speaking of winning the treble in convincing fashion as opposed to very dramatic fashion in 1999 Gary Neville and Jimmy Carragher were on Monday Night Football last night doing their thing and they were picking combined 11s which you know it's just good TV yeah <laughs> it just <laughs> I didn't see this because I wasn't watching last night I was in here but when I heard they did this I thought I must go and check that out so I have a, a clip or two and then you can fill us in on the general tone of the conversation so here they are debating Manchester United 99 versus 2023 Manchester City on Monday Night Football and so here for instance we have Gary Neville explaining why he will not budge on the midfield four of Beckham Keane Scholes and Giggs that, that midfield by the way Beckham, Scholes, Keane and Giggs I'm not even entertaining from anybody that's the greatest midfield that's ever played football in this country bar none there isn't anybody can ever I honestly that there's no one comes close when it comes to a midfield quartet like that they had absolutely everything and that to me I have to say is my selection yeah <laughs> I like how truculent he is around that part of me sort of a Grease. Mm. There, there was a moment as well where in Carragher's team he has Grealish in instead of Giggs and he quoted the fact that Grealish has maybe scored five goals and four assists and Giggs had immediately three goals and two assists and you know Neville uh, is a master of like a facial expression which says <laughs> you're a moron now Jamie Redknapp reacts to that by saying look at me when I'm talking to you everyone else lets it slide but uh, then when it came to Gundogan instead of Skulls, which was Carragher's selection, he said, oh, but like Skulls was like, he wasn't even first choice a lot of the time. And, you know, just whatever. And, and Neville said, well, if we're going by stats, Gundogan scored X, Y and Z. It wasn't particularly impressive. And he said, Skulls has 18 goals and assists to his name and he played 55 games. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> to which Carragher, he's not usually on the back foot when it comes to stats, was like, I seem to remember against Inter. It didn't come off the bench against Juve. Uh, um, so, I did see Paul Herod made the point on Twitter today that assists didn't exist in 1999, which is a, which is actually pretty, would have been as good a rebuttal as David, Carragher could David have delivered. David Beckham had 24 of them. 24 assists, yeah. It was outrageous. Yeah. And that was... He's, he's much maligned Beckham that was after the 98 the, that awful yeah, came the awful the World treatment to, yeah. he was, that was meted out to him yeah the effigy and they played um, West Ham early in the season the abuse was off the charts yeah. but look there are a lot of flaws to Beckham's like general character now and it just kind of gives me the ick to use the technical term these yeah. days but that season he was absolutely sensational I yeah. won't hear otherwise it's not true to say otherwise it might be fashionable it's not true yeah that was so I, I don't I'm unfortunately I'm too young to remember this amazing yeah, 99 was, season he was so good I read the Matt Dickinson book last year and just absolutely loved it one of my favourite sports books of last year and Beckham actually shines through as one of the best yeah. 
uh, one of obviously one of the best players of the year and that was I was surprised the extent to which I was drawn to his storyline yeah. throughout that year of kind of redemptive arc from 98 now he did granted a couple of interviews to the author which always helps with playing up his angle of things no, whereas Keane didn't do it was, him, it was but, a big um, part of the year his, his, I mean it was that bad that people were saying but he, leave England you know this was kind yeah. of a sense and the, but the whole run in then like that must have been like the stuff of kind of epic it was so good yeah there's never been a year like it now I was a about to be 14 so I was a 13 14 year old across that season which was like that's the sweet spot yeah so like you know I was so obsessed that you know I was doing my homework but listening to long wave commentary on five live crackling and like you know holding my radio up in the corner of the room to get better signals like that level of um, kind of obsessiveness with it but it was like just epic and they just there was a Liverpool FA Cup game where they came back from the dead and from that point on every match they were involved in just seemed to have so much drama like nothing was easy about it they were always liable to mess up and yet they kept finding ways to do it yeah um well, Neville was talking about that run in April. Was it Juventus, Arsenal, Arsenal, Juventus? Yeah. Maybe that wasn't quite the the run of games, but there was a game against Sheffield Wednesday thrown in there as well. Yeah. But they had, and Neville made the point, that Juventus were the best team in Europe at the time. Arsenal were, he didn't say the best team in England because that was Man United, but they were the next best team and they, they actually were champions, yeah. I suppose, um, from the season, season before. So it must have been just... Just this incredible sprawling effort that went on for months and it was months. Unbelievable! I remember listening to the gigs go from the halfway line on long wave crackling yeah. radio, and you know, Dad, Dad, <laughs> did you hear this? So it was just those kind of moments, and then of course the final is the final. Um, so it's very hard to comp- like. It's hard to compare them, but there's something I don't want to. The Man City fans kind of throwing their long wave radios out the window now at the moment, listening to this, but. That same sense of that same kind of quixotic sense is not no, here at all. This so is just dead the, by comparison. This is just like a like the machine just eating up the next bit of ground that it's in front of it, and it's you know it, I, ultimately if they do this treble, which I think they probably will, it's obviously an incredible achievement. Uh, asterisk, asterisk, hundred and fifteen charges, asterisk, yeah. asterisk, and but it's one to be admired rather than one to be enthralled by and I get the sense the United one was was one and it, I actually I found it believe it or not quite endearing how proud Neville was on TV last night uh, last night of having been part of this yeah. I actually found it I did actually really enjoy it because they did this they obviously did their combined 11s but Neville at the start his combined 11 was the United team mm. from uh, from 1999 and he said well we've done it you know, when these guys go and do their treble, then we'll talk about yeah. uh, uh, being added into this team. And maybe it was a bit, and maybe it was a gag. But when when I heard I'm that, I'm not I, sure that it was. No, I'm not sure. When I did hear that, I did think, well, hang on, this slot's your idea. So you know, if you're, <laughs> yeah. like, we didn't make you do this. It just reminded me of Keane did a joint. Was it a joint United Liverpool eleven? Carragher, Carragher, yeah. And it was just like Sadio Mane, and Keane was just like. Well, Kanchelskis, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like, and not for turning at all. So. The, other, the other thing that's kind of hard to get across from that decade, the 90s, so, like, it was the Holy Grail, obviously, for Ferguson, and the 90s were a slow and steady build-up to it, and it was the ultimate culmination, because it was like, because at that stage, I didn't, I was too young to know about the ban, and 
I almost like has the English team ever won in Europe because it just yeah. felt so impossible against these great Italian sides and Dortmund won in 97 and it just seemed like God an English side not going to win Europe whereas now it's like well mm. we are the Super League of course yeah. we're going to win in Europe oh, so totally. there's, there's no sense of what an achievement yeah. whereas in 99 to win the European Cup felt like what an achievement yeah. like Jonathan Wilson was on a while back and he was talking and I remember the game as well it was a few years prior to 99 when United played Porto in a quarter final and all the build up was Porto they're really good and mm. United beat them 4-0 and it was like oh my god United beat Porto 4-0 well nowadays I mean if you don't put like 10 on Leipzig you're kind of had a bad day at the office. oh well I mean look um, the converse to all this that if City don't win the Champions League in Guardiola's time he'd be laughed out of town you know there'll be the old like the old bowl throw it'll be uh, we'll make a comeback uh, so that that has definitely dampened the whole thing, but it, like you know, it's it's a wider conversation as to the concentration of wealth and talent in the Premier League has stripped has stripped so much um, of the game bare. It's like from an Irish point of view, it's kind of ruined our player development, um, which is another conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that sense of that sense of wonder, um, that sense of uh, of of kind of of being able to be surprised. I think one of the things about Napoli is that. The, like Farage Kelly came from absolutely nowhere yeah. in a sense like because he uh, well he was in Russia and left be- because of the war but there's this oh my god this, this fully formed genius that we hadn't heard of before like that like, like that would never that, is not, that hasn't happened in years no. I think that was one of the kind of seductive things about the Napoli story whereas you know even back in the 90s and early 2000s even as late as the early 2000s this was kind of you know, you tune into the Champions League to, to hear about and what, you know, the Gavarish Galleys of the world. Yes. Jamie Carragher's combined team, if you're interested, listener. Mm. Uh, Schmeichel got the nod and goal. I think that's an interesting one. Like Edison ball at his feet. I know Schmeichel has this totemic kind of presence, but uh, he got the nod. Uh, Kyle Walker got the nod at right back. Yeah. He kept his head down during that part. I just think uh, his season better than Gary's season. <laughs> Carragher then at the end, by the way, did do a, a real kind of lovey dovey thing. It was just like, you know what? I'll put Gary in. <laughs> Keep it. Even though Walker, miles better than Neville. Like, in fairness, it's not it's not a not to have the same debate on this show with you, Joe. It's not a conversation. Neville was very good. A better defender than Walker. Well, maybe, I, I maybe think not. I, I, I really think Walker the other night was good. Uh, I'm like, you know, South, when Southgate needed a man marker for no, take that. Mbappe and he Got couldn't pace. turn to Seamus Coleman like he had to turn to Kyle Walker. Find it hard to split them. Mm. And I wouldn't have a problem there. Stam was in both their teams. So Stam was in Carragher's. He went for Diaz instead of Ronnie Johnson. in fairness. You can live with that. Dennis Irwin went both their teams. Beckham was in both their teams. Mm. Roy Keane was in both their teams. Carragher went for Gundogan over Skulls. That is a disgrace. Grealish over <laughs> Giggs. G- Grealish over Giggs. And he had De Bruyne. See, this was the crafty thing. Me and Kenny Cunningham did this the other week. And mm. I insisted that it has to be a good old fashioned 4-4-2. So like it was De Bruyne going your midfield. But yeah. he cheated a touch. He had De Bruyne in behind Haaland. So no York and no co. Dwight York that year. <sighs> yeah, You've never seen did, anything like it. Really? Yeah, because Neville did make the... Did, Neville made the argument for... Yorkie and he might have said Coley there's a strong argument for York to be really? in there somehow that year rather than De Bruyne and Haaland well obviously like, not, I'm deferring no. to your no like, you're the man to, sorry like, no you've, one's you've got the authority and credibility no one's in ahead of Haaland mm. and okay if I'm shifting De Bruyne back to midfield and don't ask me how I'm doing that 
Then, then, if, but if you're going to shift De Bruyne back, then it's either Scholes or Keane that have to go. I'm not doing that either. <laughs> uh, Gary Neville. Keane do a job at centre half. This team will dominate the ball. Not the 98-99 Roy Keane is a midfielder. He is box to box. Some of the goals Keane scored in 98-99. My goodness. Mm. Uh, Gary Neville's combined team. What he eventually got round to do it. Uh, Schmeichel and goal. He put himself in in the end at right back. Felt he had a better game understanding than Kyle Walker. <laughs> the graphic initially had question mark. Yeah. He was initially going to leave it blank as a kind of a flourish um, of magnanimity from uh, <laughs> uh, from Gary Neville. But yeah, no, he did. He did eventually yeah, put myself in. Stam in. He put Diaz in. He had Irwin in. His midfield was Beckham, Keane, Skulls, Giggs. No conversation to be had. And uh, De Bruyne and Haaland. And he didn't feel good about that, but you sort of have to do it. Yeah, but then we, the thing about City... Like up until this season, the stars Guardiola. Now they're more interesting because the stars now Haaland. But when you're picking even a team of the season, I tried to pick a team of the season a few days ago, just because I had nothing else to do. I actually, I looked at it and was just like, there's actually not that many City players there. I better reverse engineer this, yeah. considering that they are the dominant side. Why do you think that is? Having more impressive, I think uh, because. There's a certain expectation management too. I was just like, you know, these guys have been at such a high level for so long, it doesn't catch the eye anymore. Whereas Arsenal, like Zinchenko, uh, Zinchenko looks so much more interesting and impressive in the Arsenal team rather than the City team. Yeah. I thought Odegaard had to be in. I thought uh, Saka had to be in. I thought Rashford probably had to be in because uh, he was so good for you. And he basically carried United on his back throughout the middle part of the season. Mm. But that's just, I think that's just, what we're used to you know I mean the, that the City guys are you know these guys are always you know it's, it's the Dennis Irwin principle that he's underrated because he was always you know the Ferguson line is just like he was always 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 Yeah uh, just as a final quick clip the impossible question and it is an impossible question so if they were to play each other in a hypothetical match 99 United versus 23 City who would win? Who do you think it's been? In a, in a game? Well, if it was a neutral venue, what, what, uh, what would that, how would that work out? I, do you know what, what I would say is that City's, mid, City's, City's uh, football, you can't deny. But then, obviously, we played against, obviously, good teams that, uh, you know, that, that we could play football. I think that my view would be that we'd find a way somehow with the character in the team. I think we have maybe better options off the bench to come on, potentially, and score goals up front with the four strikers. Um, City have got Haaland but then behind that they maybe don't need anyone behind that but they've got Alvarez uh, which is a good, he's a good player fantastic player but I think we have better strikers so I think we'd find a way you, you know when you said you'd, you'd find a way and I get, I get obviously I played against that team and that was the great thing about how many times they came back he came back against us in, a, in, in an FA yeah. Cup game two goals in the last minute you did that consistently through the season when you're saying you'd find a way we're still talking about Pep Guardiola in, in terms of, don't you think he'd find a way? Because I think most United fans would say, even though we're talking about the treble team, the, the 2008 team, seven, eight, nine team is maybe even like a, a level above. I don't know if you, I'm sure you think I, what I'm saying is that this Barcelona team is better than the Man City team. Well, he found a way to beat the best Manchester United. Do you think he'd be thinking, well, I could find a way oh, as well? 100%. I mean, Pep Guardiola would, I think, against Alex Ferguson in the prime would be an absolute unbelievable contest. What I would say is that in 2008, we found a way to beat Barcelona. That was against Frank Rijkaard. But then Pep Guardiola had the better of us twice at Wembley 2009 and 11. What I would say is that that Barcelona team that Pep had in that period was the greatest football team I've ever seen. So that's, you know, take our treble team into the consideration and everything. They were the greatest football team I've ever seen. And Messi was something out of this world. So for me, with that team that he had, he could do anything he wanted to, Pep. What he's since found, though, at Bayern Munich and at Manchester City, is that he's lost games against Spurs, against Real Madrid, against other teams that you would think that he would 
could have beaten Chelsea in the final. Pep Guardiola's lost to. So I think that from my point of view, what we've got to judge Pep on in respect of this team is the team he's got now and the struggles he's had in the last few years to win the Champions League. You know, we had struggles at times to win the Champions League as well. So I don't think we should compare Pep in that period at Barcelona because that was just an exceptional team that won the, I don't think it ever been matched. Mm. It's an impossible question, obviously. Mm. Um, is it? But United 99 would find it. I don't. I really disagree with you. I, I, th- I think that... They get the absolute snot kicked out of them for the first hour. Yeah. They would they be blinded how many by... Goals? You see, they'd, they'd be like... They'd hang on. They'd Real Madrid them. And there'd be, an ar- <laughs> there'd be an array of sophistication here that they'd never seen. They'd be looking around each other like, this is like <laughs> something from Space Jam. They'd be like, what is this? They're passing. They're doing all this. But then slowly but surely, like a 60-minute PhD they would download all the array of angles in front of them and they'd start talking to each other. And pull a couple of late goals back for a 6-2 defeat. I just, honestly, I think they'd find a way to do anything that bunch in that mood that year. Maybe. I I think that's, I know this is an absurd and fictitious argument, but if we're going to take it on its merits, yeah. uh, I think you're falling prone to magical thinking. I think City would have had, obviously, a greater tactical sophistication. Yeah. Uh, they have a better striker <laughs> I mean if they want it, if they if this City team played that United team on the tactical sophistication of the day yeah. and of those tactics of the day I actually think City have the better players to beat United at, the, at that game to be quite honest uh, with De Bruyne I prefer to see Yapstam more <laughs> on him than Ronnie I'll give you that <laughs> uh, no oh, City, City had batted him yeah it's probably my heart talking yeah. yeah you know you're 14 forever in a way in a, of slightly more relevance than 1999 is the fact that Inter Milan are headed for this year's Champions League final yes 3-0 on aggregate 1-0 on the night uh, I gotta go clock is uh, getting away from us our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky All the Football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports back in one sec